your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski is on with me this hour. If you got questions, if you want to, you know, talk about we got we got two. We're down to two Tregoski on the mayor's race. Any surprise there uh, with uh, Reynolds or Markerson winning? It's funny you mentioned that, Rick, because I was doing a roundtable with uh, Brad Williams and some other reporters that was on uh, Wisconsin Public Radio the other day, and it was a pretty clear consensus among the panel that it would be two of the four when you looked at Vicki Markison, Mitch Reynolds, Jessica Olson, and Martin Gall. Though not surprising at all that those were the top four. And from there, once you got to kind of those four clear favorites, it got really difficult to determine just who had the advantage. But I think this is going to shape up to be a really good race. I mean, Vicki Markison and Mitch Reynolds, uh, they're both very talented uh, politicians. They've never held government office before, but they've certainly run skilled campaigns. So I think that this will be a very uh, I think this will be a, a very important and uh, a very insightful next several weeks. When when you talk about those four, so Jessica Olson, was Jessica Olson on there? I think she was, right? She was one of the four. Yep. Uh, she she had the most money to spend, and then Martin Gall didn't even have to declare because he wasn't going to spend over $2,000. Um, and Martin Gall lost by, I think, like 273 votes to Mitch to take second to advance. Um, do, you, do you think he hurt? He hurt himself there. I, you know, a lot of times in politics, it's like the most money wins. But I don't know. Maybe that's not true locally. It's a really complicated issue in local politics, Rick, because money can make a big difference in a low turnout election. And especially in an environment where many people may not be aware that there even is an election going on. They might not be aware of the candidates. So even having a little bit of money in that kind of environment can be huge just to get your message out there and create any kind of awareness among the voters to be able to break through with voters in that way. So I I do think that money does matter. But then again, as you mentioned, Jessica Olson did spend the most and came in fourth place. So I would say that money has a great influence on the outcomes of local elections, but clearly it's not determinative. Yeah, Jessica Olson comes in fourth just above uh, Joe Conrad. And, you know, she was probably nine, probably 250, 253 votes behind um, Martin Gall. So uh, with the most money, how about this, though, is is there is there something to say about local media? media i mean how does lacrosse how do you think and i don't you're not a media expert maybe you are maybe you're not you're all over the place but um (laughs) we have we have quite a few media outlets in the lacrosse area that that can get the word out i I, you know on wisdom i've had every i had every candidate on hayes had every candidate on in the morning Uh, we held a debate we've got a website devoted just to the 10 candidates um, and I and I think I'll, uh, you know five or six other media outlets. I think there's about five or six other media outlets were doing the same thing. So it's not like you you had to be pretty uh, just out of touch with anything media to to not know that there was a mayor's race going on. 
I agree. And I think that the local media have done a very good job in terms of just making people aware that there is that there was an election and that, you know, 10 candidates in the field. So you really got to do your homework on these candidates. You really got to do your research and figure out which one you support. So I do think that the media did a very good job. Uh, And all told, Rick, I think that 20 percent voter turnout, which I believe was what we had. Yep, 20 percent. 20 percent voter turnout. It could have been a lot worse. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Is there something to say, too, is this is, uh, you know, political junkie Rick thinking, um, uh, you know, I'm doing my not conspiracies, but my theories Uh, because there's a lot of local media and there's there there are 10 candidates. You want to stick out. But because there's so much local media, I don't I won't have to spend as much money because really, I don't know if we're a starved media. But, man, if anybody said, hey, we're going to do a thing, come check it out. And one candidate was doing that more than others. Uh, my dog is in the studio right now, and she has just discovered uh, some uh, crumbs under under the cupboard. So she's really trying to fight to get under the <laughs> cupboard right now. <laughs> Millie, Millie's cleaning the Wisdom studio. <laughs> so I'm a little distracted. I'm like, what is she eating over there? This is, can't be good. Can't be Does it. your dog know how to screen calls? Yeah, sure. There is a, Joe is on hold right now, too. I want to get to him before we go to break. But the, the idea that, hey, I don't really have to have a ton of money because I can just rely on the media getting my message out. I think I think that's right, Rick. I mean, and it was very, very important for these candidates to come across well in the local media, because as you mentioned, I do think the local media stepped up to the plate in terms of providing this election with considerable coverage. On the other hand, those big, splashy headlines that Sam Schneider generated, like with the zoo and with having a referendum for raising property taxes and taking a $30,000 pay cut, that, I mean, he probably did better than he otherwise would have, but it didn't get him into that top tier of candidates. Yeah, that's either because simply because he's 18, maybe, or simply yeah. because the, the, the maybe uh, maybe the public is smarter than the gimmicks a little bit. I, I don't know. You, you got to give it to the to the voters a little bit, but only again, only 20 percent voted. So 80 percent of the people well, didn't care. And, and Rick, I mean, it, it's it's I, I have real mixed feelings about that. Right. Because I, we shouldn't be celebrating in the streets over 20 percent right. turnout. Yet it could have been a lot worse. So I, I, I'm a little conflicted about that. Yeah, I don't know what to think. I mean, 17% in 2013, we just went through a presidential election. We can't have voter fatigue. We we should have, like, like we should be more pushed to go to the polls more after a presidential election. And in the, the politics that have gone on the past four years, we should really, I feel like if, if anyone's paying attention to any of this stuff, they'd be like, wow, I really need to get involved. And, and I don't know, I guess I, I guess people just don't understand uh, the importance of their local government is, is going to have a giant impact on their lives way more than if it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump. That was the major obstacle, I think, in terms of having high voter turnout in this election. And it will be the major obstacle in terms of having high voter turnout in the April election. We did hit very, very strong voter turnout in the November election. But that's because people are so invested and so passionate about national politics nowadays that part of the struggle is to make sure people are equally informed and equally passionate about local politics. 
clearly that's not the case because of the huge gap in voter turnout and voter interest. But, you know, we've got it. We've just got to keep keep pushing right in terms of highlighting the importance of local politics and local government. So, hey, we got seven ish weeks to go till this election. So uh, it's going to be on us for sure to try to get people to care and to try to get people to tune into this election. Yeah, as much as as people want. So 86 percent, right, for the the election uh, was the voter turnout in Wisconsin or in La Crosse County, one of those. Um, Yeah, that sounds right. How does that compare to just, you know, maybe Trump, Clinton or just in general? Is it was it there's a way above or I, I don't remember the numbers before that. So actually, voter turnout in Wisconsin in 2016 dipped a little bit from previous presidential elections. So the 2020 election represented an increase in voter turnout. And nationally, we had 67 percent voter turnout in the 2020 presidential election compared to about 60 percent in 2016. So voter turnout was mediocre or a bit on the low side, actually, in 2016. And it rose pretty substantially in 2020. All right. That's UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski, who's joined us. Uh, for the rest of the hour here, I got to take a quick news break. This isn't a ton, uh, a super long news break for you two, Holden. Uh, we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. Talking with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tragowski. And go away, Stone Temple Pites. Uh, and a couple of calls here. Joe's calling in. Joe, go ahead. You're on the air, man. Hey, I just want to make two points. It's funny to listen to liberal political professors and the liberal media say, how come no one's interested in liberal or in local politics when all you guys have pushed for the last four years is the only thing that matters in your whole life, the only thing that matters to your survival is getting rid of Orange Man. That's the only thing you have to worry about from the time when you wake up to the time you go to bed is Orange Man bad. And then you wonder why no one's, why we have fatigue and why we're not interested in local politics. The other point is, I think we have some snow coming this weekend. So if everyone can call their um, Republican representatives and make sure they don't have any family plans, that they're not going to leave the state or do anything with their family because they have to be home for the snowstorm. All right, Joe, there's going to be a snowstorm. Do you have your, uh, about what, $1,500? Do you have your flight plans ready? Uh, your yep, family packed out. up. You ready I'm to fly? Flying out, out on uh, well, you Saturday. Can't, well, you can't fly out. You got to leave now. You can't fly out once the snowstorm hits. We're done. We don't have power. Watch me. Yeah, okay. Um, Joe Joe argued yesterday, Chagoski, that um, what Ted Cruz did was fine, and uh, people in Texas should have been smarter and ready to uh, leave the state because because they lost power and water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a short list of people who are defending Ted Cruz. So, but there are some people on that list. Um, all right, Eric's calling in. Eric from Sparta, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, you and uh, your guests there, what does that have any, any uh, impression or sentiments about the passing of Rush Limbaugh? One certain official in the county government seemed to think he's not even worth wasting the time to listen to him. He he escorted him, and he says, "What? Well, as in my private capacity, not a government official." That to me is nothing but dank, dank, dank. Thank you very much. You gotta wait for the hangout, Trigowski. Uh Dank, like D E N K. What is he saying there? 
Dank. I mean, I, I that's some slang that like my students use. Like, oh, that was really dank, man. Oh, I don't. I'm not even. What, what does it mean? I, I I think like I don't know, like like cool or like oh. rad or something. Is he saying what Steve O'Malley said was? Maybe he used it wrong. I feel like he used it wrong. If you're saying yeah. it's cool, that's a weird word to use. Um, we'll have to. I'll have to. Uh, what is that? That website. Uh, urban something or just <laughs> urban, urban dictionary. dictionary yeah urban i'll have to look at that when i'm because it did pop up when i typed it maybe i spelled it wrong um yeah steve o'malley uh said some pretty <laughs> pretty he essentially he essentially said rush can can burn in hell i think is is the, the easiest way to put it if you want to look at what o'malley said let's see i got it right here uh steve o'malley's the county administrator um, somebody was mad that he posted on a Facebook, uh, posted a Facebook comment on, on a Rush Limbaugh's do- passing story or dying story that, um, that essentially he can burn in hell. Good riddance. So, uh, and then it was brought up very briefly at the lacrosse County board meeting last night and Jack Pograba, Pograba, one of the, uh, County board members said, uh, I don't know if it's something the executive committee should be looking at or some ethics situations, but I'm going, I'm looking for legal counsel to look into it further. So is that like, is Jack going to, is Jack going to hire a lawyer? Or is that just now we're going to, the, your taxpayer money is going to go towards legal counsel to see if Steve O'Malley should have said Rush Limbaugh should burn in hell. I feel like that's what <laughs> I have. I have no idea, Rick. Right. I, I just truly have no idea. This just shows. I mean, this just shows the power of kind of like conservative media, though, that people get so fired up about someone making a comment about Rush Limbaugh. I mean, you know, Steve O'Malley, that's his opinion. And, you know, people can agree or disagree with that opinion. But um, I think it's just to me, it all of this just really highlights the enormous power that the conservative media have taken in the Republican Party. And Rush Limbaugh was a really important element of that in sort of pioneering this, you know, angry, no-holds-barred style of politics that would come to, in many ways, um, inspire a lot of copycats and, and would set the template for other types of, you know, hosts and, and other types of television programs and radio programs. Um, so... I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, whether you think he's going to burn in hell or, you know, whether you don't or whatever you think about Rush Limbaugh, I think that his legacy, he's been one of the most consequential figures in American politics for over the last 30, 40 years, because he, in many ways, was sort of this person who began the process of the conservative media becoming such a massive player and a massive influence in Republican Party politics. Yeah, I, I will say uh, that I spelled it wrong. It's D-A-N-K, and Libertarian Guy helped me out here, and then I just Googled it, and he sent me the meaning to disagreeable, damp, musty, and typically cold. So uh, Steve O'Malley, typically cold there on a, in a winter day, uh, talking about Rush Limbaugh going to hell. Uh, ironic, oxymoronically enough. Uh, another call. Caller, who is this? Well, this is... Uh... Bet, but you know, I guess everybody has an opinion, and I would never, ever wish um, somebody dying. But you know, Jim, that calls the the Wisdom Hotline a lot, and um, 
the milkman in the morning, you know, he wanted to behead Obama. I mean, he came on your program and said, well, I wish he'd lose his head. You know, it's, it's not that big a deal, but I will never, ever, you know, wish that somebody would die. But I'm here to tell you, you know, Rush is a jerk. He was a jerk ass. And, you know, ask Michael J. Fox, his family, how they felt about Rush. Yeah, all right. Thanks for, he, thanks for the call. Uh, I got a bunch of calls here. I think we opened the, pan, the, the, the can of worms here with uh, um, Steve O'Malley's comments. But I will say, Steve O'Malley, he said he was on vacation. I could only imagine how many margaritas he had uh, when he decided he was looking at Facebook and was like, you know what, I'm going to – I don't – I don't know. If, if, and also, I think Facebook is, while memes also the detriment to society, I believe Facebook also the detriment to, to society. Uh, we go back to the calls. Caller, who's this? Hello. Hi, my name is Kathy. Hey, Kathy, you're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, I just, I guess I just had to respond. Um, I understand that he has his opinion. Everybody, every human being in this world is, is subject to their opinion. Um, but I know that if I had an opinion, a strong opinion, and I put it out on social media, I know that my employer would probably take not kindly to that because no matter who you are, whether you're a son or a daughter or you're an employee or whatever, you're still representing somebody. So he represents La Crosse County. Now, I don't know him. I don't know of him. I don't know what his past is. I, and that's not even important. I guess just in general, as human beings, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. I know that, you know, we, we all have said things that we wish we could take back, and maybe that's one of those things that he wishes he could take back. But I guess just as human beings go, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, or what what have you, just as far as being a human being, you just don't say that about people. And I'm just saying that if his employer, who is the county, decides to take action against him for his his opinion that he chose to put out there, then I feel that that's his employer's right. So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for the for the call. Uh, Tregoski? Well, um, I think that there's something to be said there, uh, that people, when they put things out on social media, have to be accountable for those things. And what Facebook has done, and I agree with you totally on face- about Facebook, Rick, Facebook has just poisoned people's brains to the extent that they just say these horrible things. And it could be about any number of topics. It could be about any person. But this has just been I mean, Facebook has just been a catastrophe for American politics, in my view, because this type of rhetoric has become increasingly common. You know, when I first saw Steve's post, I kind of remarked, there's nothing particularly unusual about it when you look at sort of the general tone of Facebook comments on both sides. I think the only thing unusual about it was who was making the comment. But in terms of the actual content, that's pretty commonplace stuff on just the wasteland that is Facebook. Yeah, he and he said something like that. Everybody, you know, there were other comments too, and I will say, like the comment section of of uh, 
stories that have to do with Rush are, are pretty awful. At the comment sections in general are pretty awful, unless it's a, a you know like a baby polar bear you know sliding down the side of a mountain. Awesome, and you'll never see a terrible comment there. But uh, yeah, and I, I think you know Steve O'Malley works for for the the county. Does he as a county administrator? Does he represent? The county, or is he doing a job for the county? I, I, it's, I, like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. There, and uh, we'll take one more call here before we go to break. Uh, caller, who's this? Yes, Joe. Um, I agree with that lady that just called in. I think that Steve O'Malley is going to have to be accountable for what he said. Everybody knows this day and age that, and I don't know if your employer doesn't say things, but you are accountable for the things that you say on Facebook, and um, Facebook. You know, everybody should have a right to their opinion, but, you know, maybe that's something he should have kept to himself and not, not said to other people because that was nasty what he said about Rush Limbaugh. Even if he doesn't like him, um, it's not something that you say, especially two days after he passed away. Yeah, it's the first lesson I mean, we learn as kids, up. right? It's the first lesson we learn as kids. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. But uh, I think we've exactly. moved, I I think mean, we've when moved past Freddie that. When Ginsburg died, I didn't say anything nasty about her, and I didn't care for her. You know, she's a liberal, and I, I don't vote liberally. I vote Republican, and I just think that, you know, people need to be, you know, they need to watch what they say. And if you write something on Facebook, a lot of employers say that, that you can be accountable for what you say and do. And, I you know, I don't know if I agree with that, but that's what happens. People right. who's, look at – Look at people that are that are um, that voted for Trump. We're white supremacists. We're we're white. We're, we're white nationalists. We're we're terrorists. That's you know that comes from the Democratic Party. That comes from a, from Biden himself. That's ridiculous. That, well, uh, okay. Well, do you have anything uh, terrible to say about Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I think time has passed enough now, Joe. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, because I don't know her. You know, I personally don't know her. But, but I. You're just going to hold all those based yeah. on on her liberalism, and and you should not be voting based on on politics. You should be voting on the on what's right and what's wrong. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Rush Limbaugh. I man, this just uh, like two with two totally different characters there. Uh, Chagoski coming up, Scott's comment. So I'll put you on hold so you can listen to this. Uh, and uh, after that, Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, you do be lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski's on. We haven't even broke the news, and it's not really breaking news anymore. Well, I mean, this is breaking news. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are getting divorced breaking uh friday news dump, huh? <laughs> um do uh do they get divorced if, if if kanye west is the president right now probably not right well, that's what i'm wondering i mean this could be devastating for kanye's 2024 presidential campaign um the uh the actual news though that i was i was gonna get at i'm just ignoring what you said there um we we went <laughs> the, the state of wisconsin went 10 months without signing a bill without passing a bill into law right that's kind of how you 10 months yep. uh or actually what they do it did they do it yesterday was it officially yesterday that governor evers signed the bill yes. or today so 10 months and two days because april 16th the last time we did that um like we should have we should have been throwing a party i don't know like <laughs> Like, and instead of instead of we, you know, if we could, we just it, you know, it's cold out, but like we could have been like out in the streets just having a having a, a, a great party. And we not only did we sign one bill, right? We've we've signed two bills in the last two days. 
Rick, the legislature is on an unbelievable streak here, having two bills signed into law in two days. Yesterday's bill was a tax break for businesses, and today's bill was a uh, arrangement for pharmacy technicians and students to administer COVID-19 vaccines. So, hey, this legislature is on fire right now. Two bills in two days. What I, I mean, they, I, who knows what's going to happen next, Rick, but, but we've got a little bit of a streak going here. Yeah, if we sign a bill today, I think all bets are off that we criticize the legislature ever again. Um, but also, like, you, the legislature, you guys got to pass some of these bills because if you wait too long, Governor Evers is going to be too close to a re-election. Re- but now I'm seeing that um, somebody named... Reince Priebus is going to possibly run for governor. And in the story on, the, on wisdomnews.com from the AP, it's just, it's just it does say that uh, Evers hasn't said he's going to run. What are, you know, as, as much as I want to talk about Reince Priebus, who, uh, you know, probably nobody knows, but he, what was, what was he? He was the Trump's chief of staff, but he was the first of four, right? The Trump had one and <laughs> one a year, essentially. Correct. So Reince Priebus was, he, he led the Wisconsin Republican Party, and then he became the chair of the RNC. And from there, made the leap to the White House to be Donald Trump's first chief of staff. And as you noted, Donald Trump had, went through four total chiefs of staff, so Priebus did not last particularly long on the job. But yeah, we do have this electoral politics thing kicking in now with the election 22 already around the corner. And, and and I have every reason to believe that Tony Evers is going to run for re-election. Okay. The one complication for Reince Priebus is that former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish really does look like she's going to run on the Republican side. And so if you have competition for the primary, you know, who can come out on top if it's like Priebus versus Clayfish? But Priebus, you know, he, he he did his best to kind of accommodate Donald Trump when he was deeply uncomfortable. I mean, he's very much kind of an establishment type, not at all a Trumpian type. But then he became chief of staff and tried to build this sort of uncomfortable bridge between Donald Trump and the Republican establishment. But ultimately, he got replaced by John Kelly. And so we'll see what happens. But I do believe Evers will run for re-election. I think Clayfish is in on the Republican side. And then we'll have to see what Priebus does. Priebus lasted six months as chief of staff. What is an uncomfortable bridge, Tregoski? Is that like a, is it a, Does it have nails on it and you're walking barefoot? Is it just bumpy and you're driving over? I don't understand what an uncomfortable bridge is. (laughs) Well, look, that was the whole logic. An uncomfortable bridge, a nail-filled bridge and potholes and, and and, and, and wobbly, a bridge between the Trump White House and the Republicans in Congress. That was the goal by appointing Priebus. That was the entire logic of making Priebus the chief of staff. To try to make things work between the Trump administration and Republicans in Congress, because the idea was that Priebus could kind of bridge that gap. And, well, he lasted six months, so that, you know, might give you some indication of his success in doing so. Like many a bridge in Wisconsin, as the infrastructure fails across the country, that bridge collapsed. Uh <laughs> Um, yeah, Governor Evers running. So that's good, though. If Priebus is going to run and Clayfish is going to run, there's some competition there. 
Um, do we do we think any will will a Democrat run against Evers like that? That would have some notoriety, and we'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I actually am into this person because you know don't want to take out the incumbent, but also like I I'm all for just. You know, if if we're gonna have a, a run for governor, like everybody should get in the race that that thinks they can do better. Well, right, like, like do it lacrosse mayor style. Everyone run for that. But with Evers, I do not believe that he will face any kind of serious challenge within his party. I think that his party has, you know, he's got the party behind him, and I don't think he faces any danger in getting the nomination should he run again. Okay. Well, you say you say you know like do it like lacrosse. Well, lacrosse had an open seat. I think if Tim Cabot was going right. to run, I do wonder if a lot of those people uh, wouldn't have run against him, knowing that they weren't going to beat Cabot. But that's kind of what you're saying with Evers. Is Evers runs? Um, sometimes I look at Governor Evers and I'm just like, man, that guy. Like he he's not like the greatest orator, and <laughs> and he smacks his lips a lot. And you know, just the, the like the perception of him isn't great, but you know, policy wise, this different story. Uh, number three is calling in. Number three, go ahead. You're on the air. Just an old white haired guy calling. Okay. Your little buddy down there, he's getting to be pretty popular. He was on the AM show, and now the PM show. Oh, is he on? Were you on with Hayes again this morning, <laughs> Chergoski? Yeah, he was. Uh, he's, he's. I told you the last time, he's getting more popular than Joe Heim. Yeah, Joe's gonna get mad. I, I, when you call him my little buddy, there, he's on the phone. Like you could talk directly to him. Number three. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, about this county, <laughs> I have the head county nut. Yeah. People like Hitler and Mussolini should burn in hell, not Rush Limbaugh. Okay. I, I, mean, I didn't always agree with Rush Limbaugh, but if I didn't agree with him, I could always shut him off. Yeah, I, but I, well, what you're doing there is uh, everybody. Thanks for the call. Everybody's doing the what about isms, and I'm like, I'm not great at like trying to to uh, differentiate the comparisons. Libertarian guy is is texting in. Uh, there's a actress on the Mandalorian, the Star Wars television show. She just got fired from Disney for a whole slew of social media garbage that is is just like not you know not helpful for what Disney's trying to do. And uh, what Steve O'Malley did was say Rush Limbaugh should go burn in hell. Oh, libertarian guy said if Steve O'Malley said that Joe Biden should burn in hell, would what would, would our opinions change? And uh, and now number three is saying Mussolini and Hitler should burn in hell. Well, that's not very nice to say. You shouldn't tell. You shouldn't wish anybody burn in hell, right? Except maybe Mussolini and Hitler. Um, but I feel like a lot of people here that grew up. I mean, not a lot. You know, hardly any people have grown up. Uh, you know, experiencing Hitler, right? A lot of those people are gone. Um, but a, a lot of people have grown up experiencing what Rush Limbaugh said. So maybe they're, I mean, that's to some people that, I mean, this is, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Um, but yeah, so some, for some people, you know, they're, they just don't like Rush Limbaugh. But for, uh, for somebody that works for the county, do his views as, uh, you know, on a certain person, do, do, do they affect his job? I think that's what we really should, should, be focusing on does what steve o'malley thinks of rush limbaugh's uh afterlife affect how he does his job in the county <laughs> yeah that 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 really is the relevant question here rick and i would just observe that uh cancel culture has that term has been thrown around so much that it has 
basically lost all of its meaning. We have to cancel so culture. It's, 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 cancel culture. Cancel culture. Point. Cancel culture is when someone gets fired who I want to get fired. Who I uh, who I don't want to get fired. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we need to cancel culture. The phrase "cancel culture" maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we we and I I don't think we use cancel culture. I don't think anyone that's called in. I, I think everyone that's called in has had a had a pretty good point. Um, and essentially, our moms have told us this all all growing up, right? If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. Um, but as a society, with Facebook and we, you know, if as long as you're not a Russian bot on Facebook, um, you know, like spreading the hate in that way to get more people to comment and spread the whatever the post is being shared. Um, you know, a lot of these things are, you're accountable for that stuff because it's Facebook and I can see who you are. Um, as opposed to when someone comments on a wisdom story and they're just, you know, uh, Bert at Bert.com. That's their email account. And you don't know who that is. Uh, let's see here. Brett's calling in Brett. Go ahead. You're on the air, man. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Go ahead. I just, I think you may have actually just uh, hit on my point here while you were talking. And All right, th- thanks for the call. In, no, but essentially, with, with Mr. O'Malley, the, the problem with his position is that being an administrator, being a figurehead, um, there's a need to be in government to be apolitical, such as like in the federal government, if you work for certain agencies, you declare any allegiance or do any take any action that aligns you with a certain party, you can actually lose your job. Um, that is now there's no rule like that county level that I'm aware of, but. It's unfortunate. He just, you know, he's caused some problems with the city council because there are people who do have definite leanings to one party or the other, and that just makes his job of building a consensus for certain issues much, much more difficult. So, and is unfortunate in that regard. So, it's an administrator. He should be more conscious of that. Unfortunately, he might have been having a daiquiri on vacation or something. I think he caused some problems for himself, and it's unfortunate for county government that he has caused that and made, made an issue there shouldn't have been one in the first place. Yeah, yeah. That's all my little comments. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. So. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the call. Um, yep, and O'Malley, when I called him last night, uh, you know, I think he knew what was coming, the bleep storm that was coming uh, a little bit. But he also said, uh, I'm on vacation, and I flew out Friday. I haven't even been in, you know, but I'm like, ah, the, the, the world is smaller now because of the Internet. Uh, Greg's calling in. Greg, go ahead. You're on. Yeah, hey, Rick. Hey. Um. I think maybe uh, we should expect if we're forced to pay this guy more than the governor, I think he makes over 200000 a year, that he wouldn't just sound like some angry old bag lady on the side of the road. That's what his uh, comment was in a public forum. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people, uh, municipal employees, were fired for posting on social media support for kyle rittenhouse do you remember that uh there were county lacrosse county employees fired no no places all around the country okay it's perfectly logical if you read the the code the employee handbook code of conduct it says you're supposed to represent the the county in a proper way and be respectful to people that's not what he was doing yeah i hear you um uh you you did in a public forum here just you know, take it out, take all the bag ladies out. You, know, you realize this, Greg, that wasn't a very nice thing to say. Okay, and some angry old Democrat on the side of the street. See, now you're taking out all the Democrats. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, you know, there's, uh, w- w- Tregoski, what do we do? Take his Facebook c- account away for a week? 
Oh, <laughs> put us in Facebook jail? No, Rick. I mean, I think I think all of these callers are raising very, very valid points. Like, the question isn't about the content so much in and of itself, right? I mean, we've talked about just how, like, poisonous Facebook is and, and, and just, like, the nastiness on Facebook that is so commonplace. And, and if you could snap your finger right now and just get rid of Facebook, like, things would just improve in many areas. So, But that's separate from someone in their position expressing what he, expressing what he did. And is it appropriate for someone in his position in a public forum to do that? Yeah. So I think, I think the callers are asking the right questions here. Yeah, definitely. And, and we'll, you know, we have a whole board and they'll figure it out. They're just, you know, starting to look into this. Uh, it is funny. We're going to look into this, uh, you know, screenshot of a Facebook post that's got 14 likes as of yesterday. Um, not likes, but like some likes, some, you know, Facebook. I mean, get into it. But Kathy texts in, and this is this is a little interesting. She says it's not Facebook's fault for the for the horrible things people say. Uh, people have to be held accountable for the things they choose to say. And she's right. Like in this regard, Facebook Facebook has allowed people to uh, express their opinions on certain. Uh, you know, whatever post you're, you're essentially uh, in, in the public eye for, you know, like I'm on Facebook and you can see if I comment on my congressman's things, I'm always commenting on my, my congressman's uh, Facebook posts on, on his hate and divide page, but um, I'm not telling him to go burn in hell. And some people actually do that, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, an alley here for it. Dude, don't, don't say the, 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 the horrible thing. In fact, don't say anything at all, right? I'm just going to go back to what my mom has told me since I grew up. Um, let me see here. Uh, libertarian guy is calling in. Libertarian guy, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, I just wanted to add my voice to the, to this situation here. Steve O'Malley, what he did was completely inappropriate. Having um, familiarity with the rules at La Crosse County, um, you know, with, with what what is expected of employees, there are express rules that I've heard Jason Witt say that you have to be careful about what you say in a public forum because it puts has potential to put the county in a very negative light. You're supposed to say stay apolitical on such matters. So he violated, I know for a fact, he violated county policy with um, – making such a such a comment like that and i also have to add it just it it shows very poor judgment on his part rush limbaugh like him or not he has family he has a wife he is a philanthropist he has helped a lot of people that you know none of the talking heads out there would even necessarily know about he had a strong faith he gave anonymously like many people do with with um well, you don't. Who, who you have don't know a, that. a faith perspective on things. So you, you don't know. He if he was gave very inappropriate, and he should be brought up on at least be sanctioned in some way, or at least heard by an ethics committee at La Crosse County. He violated their policies. All right, thanks. Thanks for the call, libertarian guy. Um, Joe texted in. He goes, uh, "Shouldn't O'Malley have freedom of speech? Right? <laughs> like, there, there's this avenue, Chagoski, here where you, uh, y- yeah, you right. could have freedom of speech, but you also you work for somebody. Like if I came on here every yep. night, if I came on here every night and and spewed hatred about Rush Limbaugh, not just now, but all the time, I don't I don't know if I would be on here at all ever again because um, the, the boss would come in here and be like, dude, what are you doing? Rush Limbaugh is on our air, and like you're you're spewing hate. Also, I'd probably get more callers than I've ever got ever if I just talked crap about Rush Limbaugh the whole time. 
Oh, right, Rick. I mean, and, and when we get to freedom of speech, it's an important distinction to make that, you know, this isn't about Steve O'Malley getting thrown in jail for what he wrote. Like, that would I mean, quite obviously be a violation of his freedom of speech. But yeah. that, but this doesn't insulate you from accountability from your employer. And I have no idea, by the way, what the appropriate accountability is here. But but that just the idea of freedom of speech has no bearing on how your employer can handle these situations. Yeah, and there is an avenue there where, like, I mean, the the excuse that O'Malley gives that he's on vacation and it's his opinion, and why can't he have his opinion, own opinion? Uh, a little bit of an excuse. Um, also, you know, we just run, we can run circles around this. Dude, you work for the government. Uh, the government is, uh, like, the county government, like, should be somewhat, I don't know, is it apolitical? How would you even describe that? Like, he he shouldn't be, uh, I don't know, if, if you go to Steve O'Malley's Facebook page, you could probably figure out what his politics are. So, um, you know, maybe we need to, you know, like if, if you go stalk anyone in the government's Facebook page, we're, go- we're going to uh, probably be, be upset if they work for a certain entity that, that isn't supposed to be taking sides. I don't know. It's very confusing to me. If everyone had a six-hour waiting period between when they typed the comment and when they posted the comment, we would all be better off, Rick. Yeah, definitely. I've I, how many times, Shigoski? Well, you know, you're probably a little bit more careful than I am. Sometimes I like to uh, to do this stuff just to to, to spark conversation. Uh, to do this stuff, I called it to uh, post a story or, or comment on something. Um, but how many times have you started writing a comment and you kind of you get your thoughts straight and then you're just like, and closing the app. I'm closing the app now without <laughs> hitting post. Man, I bet I do that at least once a day. I, I literally did that on Twitter right before we went on the air. <laughs> I'm going to be on with Rick. <laughs> We're going to talk about Steve O'Malley telling Rush Limbaugh to go to hell. On a, you know, tune in and then delete. You don't delete. That's the one. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, we could we could go around this this uh, racetrack over and over again. You you did say you you loved uh, Scott's comment today, um, and I would say that anyone yeah. wants to read Scott's comment, they're all on there. Just go to blogs and on the wisdomnews.com. Um, honestly, I was t- I was texting people back. What did you love so much about Scott's comment? Well, we talked about how the legislature is on a hot streak, two signed bills in two days, and I think Scott's comment might have identified another proposal to put in penalties for people who are abusive towards officials at athletic events because just i mean just consider the outrageous behavior just the just the despicable behavior of some of these parents and some of these audience members at youth sports and and there's no it's no shock that we're hurting for referees right because who would want to be a verbally abused for like 20 bucks <laughs> A game, right? Man, I could have. So, I wish hey, I would have. I, I wish I would have read Scott's comment before the uh, the start of the show because I would have did the whole show on this. I would have did the whole show as a sports journalist for a decade of my life and going to basketball games all the time and listening to uh, uh, parents berate the refs uh, all the time. And also, there was a ref in in Minnesota, kind of in the Plainview, Minnesota area. That ref loved to uh, to get into it with parents and players. He would get into it, so that was always an interesting. Uh, so then, you know, then there's that that whole part where what if it's the ref's fault for inciting some of this? 
Oh, sure. And I mean, I, I, I think it's like, it's fair game, right? To criticize a call, right? We've all, we've all been there when we booed a call, thought it was the wrong call. I mean, the, be- but the best thing. Is- there is a line, though, between being like critical yeah. and then just being straight up abusive. Well, there's a, the best example might be, and this isn't abusive to a degree, but, um, and I only got 10 seconds here, Chagoski, but uh, Mike <laughs> McCarthy following a ref out after his, uh, his stepson, you know, was followed at the end of a playoff game in high school basketball and, right. and McCarthy going and, and chewing out the ref. Uh, 